Now join us for our teaching series, Greater Than, a study on Hebrews 1 through 10. All right. Well, real quick, I just want to welcome everybody to Riverbank Community Church. I'm one of the pastors here, Pastor Travis. And I first want to just highlight that we are actually celebrating Martin Luther King holiday. And just just a reminder to just be thinking about people um, and loving and accepting people. And just to appreciate anyone who, if it was Martin Luther King or, or others who have fought for uh, rights for, for people, all, all kinds of different colors and types of people. And just, you know, just be thinking about this week. But it's more important that we try to love all of those around us. So let's live out that message and love all of those around us the best way we can and living it out that kind of legacy. And the second thing I'd like to do, I'm so excited, is that we are going to be entering a season where we are going to have multiple people from our teaching team. And it's going to be about four or five weeks, so you won't see me, you won't see Joe, except that we'll be in the crowd. Um, and, and the first person that is going to be Beth Ann Miller, who is just a great like team member of ours. And she's with Safe Place Ministry, and we're so excited to have her here. And we're excited to have the rest of our teaching team here. So each week, just, just please just give a warm welcome to everyone on our teaching team um, for our series, Greater Than. And I'm going to pray for our day and our team, and and then we're going to get started. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you for our entire teaching team. And I ask that you be with Beth Ann Miller today as she is sharing just a great word with us. Thank you for your word, your truth, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much, Travis. It is such a joy to be here in person. I said to Tom driving over this morning. I feel like I'm born again being out on a Sunday morning in uh, in person traveling to church. Uh, I am excited to share this message today. As I was preparing for it, I realized there's going to be touching on some stuff that's happening in our world today that's not intentionally. I'm just going along with the assignment that was given to me, uh, but I do hope that it is encouraging to us. I hope it is challenging to us. And I'm excited to go through it with you. As Travis said last week, Hebrews is one of his favorite books of the Holy Scripture. It is mine as well, because it, to me, it dovetails the Old Testament and the New Testament. As you guys know, Christ said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to complete it or to fulfill it. So it is one of the reasons why I love the book of Hebrews so much. It's also something that Tom practices every single morning in our home. He brews me coffee. Ah, so I ha- I'm here all week, folks, to stick with me. I had, I had to throw that in. Uh, let's pray together, and then uh, we'll dive into the scripture. So, Father, I thank you for my friends, and I do thank you for a husband that brews me coffee every morning. And as we look at your word, I ask that it would bring encouragement to our hearts, it would bring um, refreshment, it would strengthen us, and it would bring clear guidance as well. So would you present yourself with us, Holy Spirit, as we go through this today, in Christ's name. So let's start by reading the actual whole chapter of Hebrews 3. I am going to do something that I said I would never do and use my phone to teach from. So if you would open up your phones or the scripture is up on the, on the screen and we can read through this. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, Fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge, 
as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as a son over God's house, and we are his house. If indeed we hold firmly to our confidence in the hope which we have in glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation, and I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold to our original conviction, firmly to the end, as As just has been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not those that Moses led out of Egypt? And to whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned and whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest? If not those who disobeyed, see we, so we see that they were not able to, to enter his rest because of their unbelief. So that's a pretty strong portion of scripture. And we're actually going to divide it into three parts. The first part where it's talking about Moses, Jesus being greater than Moses. And when a scripture says, therefore, as Hebrews 3 starts, therefore, go back and find out what that's there for. That's a continuing thought. So it connects us to Hebrews 2 which is telling us Jesus is made as our Savior. Travis went through that last week. So therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have Christ who died for us, therefore we can look to God. The problem with Jesus, uh, not the problem with Jesus, the problem with the people of Israel, quite similar to us sometimes and myself, is they really wanted to look for a man instead of the living God. So they were really focused on Moses leading them. But guess what? Man, men and women will always fail us. And the Israelites began to get very, very frustrated. They were looking to Moses to be only what the living God could. And Moses was a leader, yes. He was a good leader. He was a leader that wanted to obey the Lord. But he was still a servant. And this is where the scripture says, Moses was a faithful servant, but Jesus is a son. We can learn from Moses. We can learn from men and women who lead us. But our worship, that only belongs to the living God. That only, the worship, the best of our intents, our affections, our attentions, what we give ourselves to, what we line ourselves up with, friends, that should only be to Christ himself. And this is where the Israelites got really messed up, in the desert. Because they began to get very disillusioned with Moses. Who remembers the story of 
the Israelites in the desert. How many of you remember that story? How many years did they struggle in the desert? Four zero. Do you know how many, how many days it should have taken them to get through? Someone take a guess. Eleven. It should have taken their journey through the desert. An entire generation got trapped and tangled up and disillusioned and disorientated because they were growing very frustrated that Moses wasn't leading them in a way that they thought he should. And guess what they ended up doing? They ended up complaining, hey, we had it better in Egypt. Friends, they were enslaved in Egypt. And they began saying, we had it better in Egypt. Let's go back. Our leader's not doing the right thing. Let's go back. Where is my worship focused at? Am I really looking to the living God or am I looking to a system or a person or someone to really guide me? I have to be careful that I don't wish for what you and I might consider the good old days because those good old days for the Israelites was bondage in Egypt. Today is a lot of our good old days 30 years from now. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for the state of our heart? So the whole first portion of Hebrews through is saying, hey, don't look, don't look to Moses because Jesus is greater than Moses. And then it goes in, the next part of Hebrews 3 goes into looking at the condition of our heart. Where, where is our heart? Friends, I do this sometimes, so I'm not excluding myself from this, but We trade our worship to the living God for a person, ideal, or a perceived way our life should be. And out of that comes deep miscontentness. Is that a word? Discontentness. And frustration. And strife. And struggle. And the temptation then in myself to to set things the way it should be. Moses, or whomever it is that's getting the best of my worship, is not doing what I think he or she should. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take matters into my own hands. And this is where the scripture warns us. Actually, in, in this verse in Hebrews 3, it's, it's a warning. That's a strong word from the Holy Scriptures. It's a warning against unbelief. Then they began saying, Moses is, is, if you look in Numbers and Exodus and read the stories for yourself, they started accusing Moses. You don't, you don't have our best in mind. And they began getting super frustrated at him and began talking amongst themselves, figuring out what are we going to do. They went so far that they pulled all their jewelry together, Sam, and they pulled all their jewelry together and they melted it. She knows I love her. And they melted it down and they formed a little god, a calf, to resemble what they think Yahweh, the living God, should look like. See, they wanted the living God, but they wanted him to look like they thought he should. And when that wasn't happening in their life, they took manners into their own hands. Moses, as a leader, got so frustrated, he took the instrument of leadership that God did miracles with, parting the Red Sea and the, the plagues, and he struck the rock because the people were complaining that they didn't like the manna 
which was the food from heaven, which literally means, what is it? You kids say that all the time, right? If you're serving them, what is it? That's what manna literally means. They began doubting the provision of the Lord. It wasn't good enough. Certainly there has to be something better. And Moses and his leadership got so frustrated, he struck the rock. Sadly, that was not what the Lord had called him to. And the Lord said, Moses, you'll never enter my promise now, the promised land here on earth because of that. So we can see the the children of Israel growing deeper and deeper and deeper uh, in distress with each other. When we lose trust in God's leadings, friends, and take things into our own hands, that often brings destruction, chaos, and division. Because this is where we start doing what we think is right in my own eyes. The, the problem is there's 30 of you here, and you guys all have it right in your own eyes. So we trade our worship. We trade the provision of the living God through a journey of following him to the promised land for trying to do what's right in our own eyes. And here we go. Here comes divisions now, and here comes chaos. Eleven days it should have taken the Israelites to journey. Forty years. And the scripture says, because the Lord was angry with them because all this was going on. What's the fruit of some of these things that happen in our life if we are arguing and we are divisive and we are doubting the living God at every turn, doubting our brothers and sisters and taking matters into our own hands? Tell me if you see any of this in your heart. I'm going to raise my hand for every single one of these, okay? In different shades and forms. Misplaced anger. Yeah. Okay, what am I angry at now? I don't know. What's the latest thing on Facebook? So misplaced anger. And the scripture calls us, it says this, be angry but do not sin. Misplaced anger. Fighting against one another. Friends, I didn't do this for today. This is from the children of Israel, okay? This is directly from scripture. Fighting against one another. Vulnerability to despair and extreme thinking. When I'm highly stressed and in despair... I'll do anything to get myself safe or to relieve the stress. So extremities of thought can come in. Discontent and frustration. If you look to be frustrated and discontent, you will. (laughs) Guarantee it. You'll find it. Inability to have hope for the future because I'm so blinded and so engrossed and encased in my disconnect and all these other things, discontent, I actually lose hope for the future. Friends, Jeremiah 29, 11, it's probably a scripture that we're all really familiar with. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? Plans for what? For a hope and future. That scripture was written to Israel when they were about to go into 70 years of captivity. What? What? That promise that we all quote and hang in our refrigerator or a car or it's on our Bibles, the Lord was saying that before Israel was about to go into captivity. And the Lord was saying, I know the plans I have for you. When we get wrapped up in this, you guys, in this, what the children of Israel were in the desert, 
we lose sight. We lose the ability to discern correctly situations. We lose the ability. We let go of today because we're so consumed for tomorrow. The good old days, friends, for, for those that lived through the Depression or World War II or the Cuban Missile Crisis, they're the good old days for them. The good old days of 2020, unbelievable, 2021 will be seen 30 years from now. What are you doing with them? What am I doing with them? So we lose the ability to discern rightly in current situations. We get blinded, and we're no longer listening to the living God. We're listening to ourselves and what seems right because we're so discontent with leaders. We don't trust them. We've tried to mold them into our own image. And we lose the ability to perceive what's really happening. And then what happens is our hearts can actually start to be hardened to truth and to righteousness. Righteousness being defined as right ways of doing things, right ways of perceiving, right ways of living, healthy relationship between God, self, and others. So our hearts begin to get hardened. And this is what the Lord's warning against in Hebrews 3. Watch the hardening of your hearts. Again, the story of the desert. This is a reflective to it. I invite you all in your free time, if you want a good shot at what's happening in society today, look this up in Exodus and Numbers. Don't take my word for this. Go ahead. Seek the scriptures for yourself. Again, they began to turn to false gods and idolatry and and ideology to save them. And the Lord had Moses sent spies into the promised land, right? For what? They were looking for two things that was promised. What? Milk and honey. Sounds pretty good right now, right? Milk and honey. So there was a promised land ahead, and they sent spies out into the land, and the spies came back so scared. There's giants. We can't go there. There's giants. And fear, deep fear began to set in. And the people believed the report of the spies instead of the living God. They started believing whatever they were hearing and lined themselves up with it as if it was truth. Forty years should have taken 11 days. Can you imagine driving around with your GPS and you continually choose not to listen to that annoying voice? You're, gonna, you're, just, you're never going to arrive at your debt. Recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. At some point, you have to make a choice to trust the GPS system. At some point, friends, we have to make a choice to trust the living God and not focus on what's happening around us. When we believe the spies that are in the land, yeah, there's giants. In fact, that promise about milk and honey and that I know the plans I have for you, it also promises in the New Testament, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome it. Where did that promise come from? Who spoke that? Christ. 
that's not up on our refrigerator, right? In this world, you will have problems. Funny how we pick and choose the promises of the Lord. I do it. I understand. A journey that should have taken 11 days. Are you stuck in your life today? Am I stuck? Do we keep recalculating, 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 hoping that a new perspective, a new point of view, something is going to snap, snap us out of this maze and suddenly everything's going to make sense. Lift your eyes up, friends. We're far too short-sighted here. We do not perceive well. Psalm 37 says, those who look to him are never covered with shame, but their faces are radiant. You want to see what I'm staring at? See how my emotional stability is doing. You want to see what I'm worshiping? You'll find out by what I'm pouring into myself. The Israelites got lost and they turned away from the living God. The last part of Hebrews 3 talks about what do we do to protect ourselves from this then? How do we correct ourselves? Being anchored in the word of God and not looking to people or ideology to rescue us or make our lives better. You want to line yourself up with truth and be anchored? Then look to the word of God. And look to him and not others. Encourage each other. Literally the word encouragement means to add strength to someone's belly. How many of you need strength in your belly? I do. We encouraged others yesterday at night to shine. Encourage others uh, daily with garbage removal on Aaron Harris. I'm sure you guys are watching online. There's a myriad of ways that people are encouraging each other. But instead of being divisive and looking to prove someone wrong, add strength to their belly. I need to be encouraged. And the word says encourage each other how much? Daily. Because we need it. The Israelites had to start encouraging each other because the journey was long and it was a whole lot longer than it should have been because of their unbelief and the hardening of their hearts. So friends, how about you being known as an encourager? Practice listening to his voice today. This is a big one. When I, back in my 20s, when I was going through a very difficult time emotionally and struggling with an anxiety disorder, my pastors at that time encouraged me to begin listening to God's voice. And so I opened myself up to it and said, Father, I want to hear you. And that was going to be two ways. It was going to be by reading the word and then just doing, doing whatever he said. So I remember... I was um, at work at that time, and I made a phone call, and at that time, believe it or not, there was a pay phone, was the only thing I could use out in the lobby. And I went and made a phone call at lunch, and when I hung up the phone, the quarter came back through and dropped. And I went to take that quarter, right? Oh, nice, I got a free phone call. Clear as day, 
whether it was myself perceiving it or the Holy Spirit, can't tell the difference at that point. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does quite sound similar to my voice or Tom's voice, depending on the day. And I went to take that quarter, and I perceived the Lord say to me, no, you paid, you had your phone call. That quarter does not belong to you. And I went to my pastor, and I said, these strange things are happening. Like, I'm walking, and I feel the Lord say, pick up, pick up that piece of paper and throw it out. Why? No one's going to see it. I do. Sitting at a light, a red light, I'll never forget this, 2 o'clock in the morning, Long Island, wanting to make a left-hand turn. I see you. Are you going to do the right thing? Grow in hearing the Lord's voice. Begin training yourself. Samuel went to Eli. I'm paraphrasing completely as Samuel was learning to perceive the Lord's voice. He heard something. God, Eli, Eli. Eli was the high priest. Is that you? No, go to sleep. Again, Eli, Eli, was that you? No, go to sleep. Third time, Eli, was that you? Son, go listen to the Lord. (laughs) We can grow in discerning God's voice in our life. And it starts with small things. If we're faithful with the little, God will give us much. Begin listening to him today. There's a direct correlation between peace and rest, which we're going to hear about next week, and listening to his voice today. Not tomorrow. Scripture says tomorrow has enough cares of its own. But today. Choose who or what you're giving the best of your affections, attentions, emotions, or loyalties to. This is worship. What is taking the best of me right now? What's getting the fruit of my attentions, my affections, my thoughts, my time? Whatever that is, I'm worshiping. Choose wisely, friends, who you're giving yourself to or what you're giving yourself to in that. Practice gratitude. I say practice because, again, we can train ourselves in this. You can't be really grumbly and angry and and have gratitude simultaneously. Try it. It it doesn't work so well. Begin to practice gratitude. And I don't mean grateful for something that you're not, but the scripture says be grateful in all things, not for all things. So that means we can be grateful in all things. The smallest thing. Father, thank you for the birds this morning. Thank you I woke up. Thank you I have a house. Thank you I have food. Thank you I have a running tap that I can turn on and off and get water out of it. Thank you for my spouse. Thank you for my kids. I know that might be a hard stretch sometimes. Thank you. Begin practicing gratitude. Your heart is a garden. What's growing in it? Gratitude helps keep those weeds out. What's growing in the garden of your heart? I bet you those around you can tell you. If you're not sure, ask a few people that you walk closely with. They'll tell you. Proverbs says, the issues of life flow out of our heart. You'll find out. Just ask if you have the courage to do that. The last thing I have here is probably the hardest thing to do. Invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart. You know, if I search my heart, it doesn't go so well because either I'm way too easy on myself or I'm way too harsh on myself. But if I ask the Holy Spirit to search my heart, I'm inviting him then to come in 
and begin to straighten out some of the attitudes that are going inside. Try, I'm inviting him to correct my gaze. Who am I looking at? I'm inviting him to recalculate and have me going in the right direction. When was the last time that you and I actually quieted ourselves, said nothing, and actually invited the holy presence of the living God, the Holy Spirit, to search our hearts? And the thing is, friends, when he searches our hearts, his intent is for health and growth and maturity. It's not simply to correct us. That might happen, but that will be out of his loving kindness. And that's where we can find comfort and peace. And at the end of this chapter, Hebrews 3, which Ed Hannah is going to talk about next week, it gives this incredible invitation to enter God's rest. How many of you need God's rest right now in your life? There's a clear way to get there, friends. The thing is, just like the children of Israel in Hebrews 3, we can make the choice not to enter his rest. And the way we do that is hardening our hearts, as the Israelites did wandering through the desert, taking matters into their own hands, focusing on a man or a system, making false gods with whatever they had that somehow resembled an image of Yahweh that they thought they needed in their life at that moment, complaining and arguing, provoking each other. Anyone provoking anyone today? Provoking instead of encouraging. That will not have us enter God's rest, ever. God's rest is completely connected to today, if you hear his voice, today. Don't harden your hearts. God's rest for our life, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational. The invitation's there. It's through Christ. That's why Christ is greater than Moses, as this chapter started. But first it comes with us surrendering our hearts and focusing only on the one true living God. So I'm going to invite us to this. I'm going to take about a minute. I'm going to read a, a, a portion of a psalm to you. It's Psalm 139, 23 to 24. And, and this is a psalm that is highly comforting, probably to myself and a lot of us. And it talks about God knowing the depths of who we are. And it's very comforting. And at the end of this psalm, the psalmist, who's David at this point, he invites the Lord to do something. He invites the living God, the spirit of the living God, to search his heart. Not himself, because either he's super harsh or super easy, right? But he invites the living God to search his heart. So I'm going to read this, friends, and then we're going to have a time of silence. And I'm going to ask you to invite the living God to search your heart. You certainly do not need to hear from me because there's one that loves you far beyond what I can even comprehend that does not want you wandering for 40 years, a generation, for a journey that should have taken 11 days. Psalm 139, 23 to 24 says this. Search me, God, and know my heart or be intimately acquainted with my heart. Test me. 
and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters and myself right now as we, as we quiet ourselves and still ourselves in your presence. Holy Spirit, would you come and do what the word says you were sent to do? Would you bring strength? Would you bring comfort, conviction if needed? Father, would you uh, show us all truth? And most of all, would you, would you lead us into all truth? And most of all, will you show us the Father? So as we quiet our hearts right now, Holy Spirit of the living God, come, come and adjust us. Come and help us focus our eyes on you. We give you permission to search our hearts. Father, my friends and I come before you and we admit that we're wandering <laughs> uh, in a desert of our society, the season of life we find ourselves in, our own thoughts, what we think is the right way of doing things, how we perceive you. And Father, we just keep recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. But we want to fix our gaze on you. Father, may no unclean thing grow in our hearts. May we not create idols of the living God that reflect what we think you should look like. But may we straighten our hearts and look directly towards you. Father, we know that your plans for us are good, no matter what. We thank you that Jesus is greater than Moses that we can look so much higher than any man or political system or societal way of doing things. But that you call us into a deep relationship that is today. Father, I thank you that 2020 and 2021 right now, someday for me, these will be the good old days in my life. Would you help myself and my friends to perceive the time that we're in correctly and not waste the affections, attentions, and the intimate places of our heart in worship that falls to the ground? Because we know before you this is wood, hay, and stubble. So, Father, we commit our hearts to you. Teach us what it means. Teach us, Father, what it means to remain in you that we may find that Sabbath rest that you have promised for us. In Christ's name, amen.